Welcome to Small Business Celebration, where we're continuing our series on business owners that are getting the move on. And our guest this week, well, he's going to guide us on how to thread your products so that they can always land on top of the hill. This is Small Business Celebration. Welcome, where we chat with real business owners who have real success and learn from them about what works, what doesn't, and who want you to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train. Join us where you can learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Welcome to Small Business Celebration, and our guest this week is Dale Hill, the president and CEO of Hill Threaded Products Incorporated. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Well, thank you. For visionaries who don't know who you are, who are you and what is it that you do? I'm Dale Hill. I'm the president and CEO of Hill Threaded Products, and we are a full-line industrial supply distributor. So if you have any kind of machinery, parts, tools, safety items you need, feel free to look us up. They also do a little bit more than that because I made the mistake of taking the assumption and you know what they say about assumptions, it makes an ass out of you and me, but that they only did threaded nuts, bolts and washers, but you do a lot more than that. We do. In fact, when we first started out, we started out with my dad and stepmom in the garage and they would buy a box of bolts and mm -hmm. sell a box of bolts and then buy two and then sell those too and then buy more. And so we started out as strictly threaded products, nuts, bolts, that type of stuff. And as we got more in tune with our customers, mm -hmm. uh, we found that they needed more. Mm. They needed tools, they needed uh, pipe fittings, they needed hydraulics, they needed industrial supplies, abrasives, drill bits, cutting tools. So we have grown our business um, based on the needs of our customers. Mm -hmm. One of the fun things we get to do is they show us crazy stuff that they can't find. <laughs> and so we source that for them. Sure. And sure. so we can kind of customize our inventory based on the needs of our customers. You also have a wide variety of other kinds of things in addition to, and like right. you said, you grow and expanded and based on your customers' needs. You also have PPE products. And PPE products have become infamous sure. during the age of COVID, but Absolutely. you have a lot more than just N95 masks and rubber gloves, right? What, Absolutely. What are some of the other things that you guys provide? So we provide anything that a person needs to be safe in the field. And when so, you say the field, are you talking oil, ag, what, what, are, what are you talking about? Any industry. Okay. You know, anything that, that someone would put on uh, to make them be able to do their job out either in the elements or in dangerous situations, potentially dangerous situations. One of the other things I find fascinating, and I have to confess when, when I was doing my research on you, I kind of took a left turn and went, because it didn't initially seem to fit, but vending machines? Yes. <laughs> okay, explain, first of all, explain how did, you, how did you get into the vending machine business? Well, industrial vending, it's relatively new. Okay. So we've been doing... And when you say industrial vending, are you talking like soda pop and candy bars and things like that? Or what are you talking about? Uh, not necessarily soda pop and candy bars. <laughs> However, 
when my wife is configuring a vending machine, uh -huh. she'll put candy bars in the machines to test vend things and see if they come out properly. <laughs> okay. What we like to do, the, the idea behind an industrial vending machine is it puts the products that a user needs at the point of use. Okay. A lot of times you've got big facilities and the parts that a person needs or the safety glasses that they need or the drill bit they need ah. are in the parts room that's a 10 minute walk away. Right. If you can put those products in their point of use at their workstation, now it's a 10 step walk. They get the part they need, they go back to. So it's more, it's, it's inventory management, mm -hmm. it's accountability, mm -hmm. because every, ha every person has to sign out the products they receive. Mm. So management knows what they're using, and they can say, hey, Joe, why did you use a pair of safety glasses every day for this last month? Or, Joe, why haven't you been using hearing protection sure. you know, every week, every day this week? And, and as a business owner, mm -hmm. we want to keep our employees safe. Mm -hmm. And so that's also a, a cover your rear end kind of thing. If you're using the vending machine and you have the safety and PPE items in the vending machine, there's no excuse. Right. It's right there. It's full. It's what you need. It keeps you safe. I would also surmise, and correct me if I'm wrong too, that this also gives the business owner a certain level of protection as well. If there is an incident on the job site, you also have this daily log of the PPE equipment that has been checked out or has been taken from the vending machine by the specific employee so that if something happens, you can reference back to, yes, they were wearing the correct PPE gear or they Absolutely. didn't. Well, you, you, you can't really reference whether they were using it, right. but you, were, you can reference when they received it. Right. So... At least it helps. Yes, exactly. And it's, a, and it's a huge inventory management tool for the customer, mm. which, is, which is how we approach it, mm -hmm. because our, most of our business is done in what we call vendor-managed inventory, mm. where we go to the customer's site, assess their needs, get their approval, and we help them maintain their inventory levels at the proper level where they want to. Um, one of the things I like to say is you do what you're good at. Mm -hmm. If you're a farmer, then farm. If you're in the oil fields, do what you do in the oil fields. Mm -hmm. Let me manage your inventory. Mm. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> Let me manage your inventory. I'm really good at inventory management. And we can maintain, we have a staff, that that's all we do is maintain the inventory. You know, and this is something that's very key and this is very important because prior to our conversation, you gave me a tour of your facility. Yes. And you showed me your customer walk-up counter, which is, has, has been closed off and it looks like it hasn't been used in quite a while. But one of the things that you pointed out to me is the reason you guys haven't used it is because almost all of your all of your sales, all of your performance is because your team goes out into the field and goes out to the customer, to their, their sites. Take us through, that is correct. take us through, because you're not the first <clears throat> business owner to 
to, to, to want to do this? And what were the circumstances, very briefly, that, that encouraged you to get away from the single item purchase system and go to the much larger bulk sale item where you're going to the actual job site of the customer and taking care of them? I, I mentioned my dad, who started the business, was working for a national company. Mm -hmm. He worked out of his house. Right. He had a big book that he carried with him mm -hmm. to all his customers. Right. And they would write the business and then the, the company would ship it in. Mm -hmm. He would stock it and put it away next time he was up. Right. It's very convenient for the customer. They don't have to take away from their primary business to stock parts. Right. So that seems like a huge time saver for the customer. The customer is also not a fastener expert. Right. They're not an industrial supply expert. They right. know they use this particular widget to do this particular job. And so by educating them as well and, and being their resident expert or dealing with the expertise of our vendors, of our manufacturers, it gives us additional credibility. But also we're able to keep them stocked so they can keep doing what they need to do. If visioneers want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Uh, they can send me an email, dale at hillthreaded.com. They can call the shop here at area code 661-324-1315. Uh, they can go to our website, hillthreaded.com. And when we come back, we're going to talk about diversification of revenue and how you make that happen from your business and how you learn that from your customers when we come right back. California's CalSavers program due date of June 30th is just around the corner. And if you don't have a retirement plan set up for your employees by then, you could be in real trouble. Fortunately, you have options. You also have a contact that will help you and your business with your best intentions in mind. Call Debbie Sharpentier of Sharpentier Wealth Strategies at 661-322-5204 or visit her at sharpentierwealth.com and discover what plans she can help you with that will keep you in compliance and provide for a better future for your employees. Call Debbie Sharpentier of Sharpentier Wealth Strategies at 661 322-5204, that's 661-322-5204, or visit her at sharpentierwealth.com today. Debbie Sharpentier is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker-dealer member SIPC, and a registered investment advisor. Sharpentier Law Strategies is a marketing name for registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors, CRN-4200694-011822. We're here with Dale Hill, the CEO and president of Hill Threaded Products Incorporated. And our visionary question comes from Jim who asks, we're looking to find more consistency in our revenue stream and we have products that can serve a wide variety of industries. What qualifications do you look for in specific industries that may lead to consistent revenue? You know, Jim, that's a great question. Uh, and we don't necessarily categorized by industry, mm. one of the things that we've found is like industries use very similar products. Ah. So that's one of the ways that we have built our inventory mm -hmm. is by having a great relationship with our customers mm -hmm. and be able to provide them with something that they need. Mm. So utilize, and, and our business model, because we do 
vendor managed inventory where we go to the customer site, it only makes sense that while we're there selling them some nuts and bolts mm -hmm. or some pipe fittings, mm -hmm. that we sell them some hydraulics, that we take mm -hmm. care of their safety, that we take care of their PPE, that we mm -hmm. take care of their other consumable type items. Right. We don't, we don't sell big giant things. Right. We sell a lot of little things. And the more we can take care of for that customer, that makes us more valuable to them as a vendor, mm -hmm. and that makes them more valuable to us as a customer. There is a line between being helpful to the customer and saying, by the way, we have the opportunity for taking care of this, that, and the other thing that sure. your business may have. Yeah. And then there's that line between being pushy with the upsell. How have you gone through and communicated with your sales team to where that line is between taking care of the customer and what their legitimate needs are and trying to push them and say, we really want to try and get an extra 10% out of this customer? No one wants to deal with a pushy salesperson. Right. The best, the best salespeople are great listeners. Mm. They look at the need. They show their offering and if you've got a relationship with your customer most of the time they're going to at least give you a shot at that business right unless they've got an another relationship with somebody else mm. which and that's when you're establishing a new customer in our industry they're already getting their parts from somebody right and the reason is why would you choose me right so that's part of the reason we train our team we train our outside sales staff, we train our inside sales staff to be professional and to be knowledgeable. Because when it comes right down to it, we're selling commodities. Right. We're selling milk, bread, and eggs. Right. We're, you can get what we have other places, but you can't get me, you can't get our team, mm -hmm. and you can't get our desire to do the right thing for the customer every time. Right. And so you don't need to be pushy. Right. You just need to tell them what you have. And if yours is better, then have them test it out. Right. If yours is not better, you know, we would ra much rather have, I'd much rather refer a customer to a competitor if they've got a better product or another supplier if I can't help them out. Right. That's, it's all about relationships, especially in this town. Right. Because everybody knows everybody that knows everybody that knows everybody else. <laughs> Six degrees of separation. Absolutely. And, the, <laughs> and nine times out of ten, the guy that's sweeping the floors today, he's going to be the boss in a year. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or he could be opening up his own business. Sure. Else. Absolutely. Now, one of the things we, we talked about prior to our conversation off camera is that when you take time off, your doctor told you you can't go outside. Well, he didn't say go outside. <laughs> he says wear a hat. Wear a hat. And and where do you go when you when you're not here in the business with a hat? Well, we've got a little piece of property in Utah. That's, Your wife? That's and off the grid. Me, my wife and I. Right. And we like to go up there. This has been our first year having this property. Right. And one project one one place is a project and the other one is where we stay when we're working on the project sure we, we like to do repairs we like to do building that's that's part of our hobby and what has this hobby turned into with this current project 
one of the properties that we purchased was a framed building, uh -huh. framed and sheeted, and it had been in the weather for a year or two before that. Mm -hmm. So we needed to get it dried in. Mm -hmm. And when you and say dried in, what, what do you mean by that? When it's framed and sheeted, it's basically just got plywood on the walls and plywood on the roof. Okay. And when you're in an atmosphere where it snows. And, <laughs> like it does in Utah. And it rains. Right, like it does in Utah. <laughs> you need to get those things protected, otherwise you'll have basically a pile of sawdust in a few years. Uh, right. So we had to coordinate with getting the roof put on and getting the windows put in and getting the siding put on and getting the deck put on. And so it was, we spent you know, a good deal of time up there this last year and thankfully it, it all kind of came together. How much of the work was done by you and your wife and how much of it was done by other contractors? Well, the first time we went up there, because we, I'll, I'll kind of play this back a little bit. Right. Um, so not this past September, but the September before, uh -huh. uh, my wife and I, we purchased an RV. Okay. And we were saying, you know what, we, the business is doing well, we're able to get away. Sure. And we love camping, we love the outdoors. And then COVID hit. <laughs> <laughs> so much for that idea. And everybody that goes on their trips to Europe <laughs> and everybody that does their tours around the world for right. vacations sure. now bought an RV. Now bought an RV. And so there's no place to go. Right, because they're all full. Because they're all full. Or right. you're booked up six months to a year in advance. Right, right. I got a friend of mine in Tehachapi that she is literally renting out her front yard. Sure. Because people didn't have enough place to go. Yeah. So we have this RV, and we're thinking, we just need a little hunk of dirt somewhere in the mountains somewhere to take this thing. Right. And just get away. But we want it to be our own own little deal right so I was talking to a friend of mine and I knew that he had a cabin in Utah and we were talking some more and and he says here take my keys go up there and check it out right so we went up there and stayed in his cabin and and drove around the area and just absolutely fell in love with the area right and so when we came back I just I got on the the, the county website and started writing letters to the property owners and because most <laughs> of most of the properties up there are undeveloped Okay. It's just forest. Sure. Uh, it's subdivided for lots, you know, they're half acre lots. So I'm just writing letters, probably wrote 50 letters. Right. And so the, the first property, I'd actually walked through it and seen that it was sheeted and, you know, saw that it had potential. Right. That's, that's one of the things we like to do is we like to uh, see the potential. Yeah. Okay. In fact, that's one of the things we told our, one of our framers when we first met with them is, we don't see this as a lot of work. We see it as potential. Right. So I had been walking through that one. That's the one we had to dry in. And we were in escrow on that property and we got a phone call from, or I got an email from one of the other people I wrote a letter to and it was basically move in ready. Well, other than not being occupied in a couple of years. <laughs> Move-in ready is relative. It had, a, it had a solid roof, it had windows, it had a propane heater. So that one was basically, we basically purchased it sight unseen. Right. Which is scary, <laughs> but it's also exciting. Sure. So sure. our first trip up there, we brought everything we can think of to survive. Right off the grid, not knowing what we actually had. And we looked at the, the property that needed the construction work, and we knew it was bigger than we could do 
in a season. Mm. So we called uh, one of the guys that was able to put some roof uh, protection on it before this last winter and asked him if he knew any framers and asked him if he did siding and asked him if he did roofing and he we ended up with a great group of uh, uh, framers that came up and framed in the, the porch. Right. The first weekend we were up there and then we put the deck on and we put the railings on and we put the windows in. So to answer your question, we didn't do the roofing because it's a 12-12 pitch. Oh, wow. And at the, at the front edge of it, it's 12 to 14 feet off the ground. That, well, that's pretty steep. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so needless to say- You ski on that. You could. <laughs> In fact, a guy that went up there, has been up there a couple times this winter, has sent me some pictures of it, and there's no snow on the roof. Because it's the, all slid off. Exactly. <laughs> so, so we had some great contractors, and we worked a deal with the framer that, you know, this, we're not in a hurry for this. And I don't know if you've heard, but during COVID, it's tough to get things. Right. It's supply chain. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're dealing with that a little bit also. <laughs> but uh, they had, when they had a break in a job, they could come up the hill, they could work for a couple days, get his guys work, and help us out. Right. So it worked out really well. What have you learned from this project that you've applied to your business? Basically, this was a, a good test mm. for me. Okay. Um, one of the things I've always wanted to do is have a business that doesn't live and die with me. Mm. Makes it easier to sell. Well, that, and also it makes it easier to live. How so? Because if the business completely depends on what I do or what I produce or what I don't produce, mm -hmm. then am I really doing a service to my employees, to my family, to my customers? Mm. But if you build a team and you train them properly and you empower them to do their job and to do their job well and to have empathy for the customers and to want to do a great job. You, you know, can take Fridays off. I could take Fridays off. In fact, you do. I do take Fridays <laughs> off. <laughs> but it wasn't always that way. No, it wasn't. You had to train your employees yes. to be able to do that. Take us through a little bit of that process of how you were able to train your employees so that you can take Fridays off and, and have a three-day weekend. Well, my. I guess my strong suit is dealing with the customers. I love to be out with the customers. I love to talk to them, see their needs, assess their needs. Um, and one of the things we did a few years back uh, was I was running the business and trying to do a majority of the sales and learn through some books that I've read and some people that I've talked to to do what I'm good at mm. and hire somebody to do the stuff I don't want to do. Mm. So, you know, my, my main, my, my, part of my pleasure in this business is to take our salespeople along and ride with them to see their customers, introduce myself to them, and just reassure that we're taking good care of that customer. 
But training is not necessarily all wine and roses. No, it's absolutely not. One of the fears that a lot of business owners have is instilling that kind of trust in an employee, especially when the employee is learning something new, and especially when what is being trained is so important to the livelihood of the business. Take us through how you were able to take a moment where you had trained the employee, and unbeknownst to you, the employee took a left turn when they should have made a right. <laughs> and it didn't go so well, and it had some real challenges that came to the business. But more specifically, how did you handle that, and how did you, how did you deal with that? Well, there's, there's a two-part answer there. Okay. You know, first off, is the employee is that their strong suit? Mm. Are, are they, you know, like in one of the books I've read, right. get, get the right people on the bus. What, what's the, just out of curiosity? That would be good to great. Oh, okay. Um, but get the right people on the bus and get them in the right seat. Mm. So first off, is that where they fit? Mm. Second off, how was my training? Mm -hmm. Because it always comes back to the trainer. Mm. And a lot of times as business owners, we want to expect people to do greatness, but we don't really, we're not clear with our expectations. Mm. So clear expectations, clear training, this is why we do it this way. And then once they're proficient at that, then you allow them to make their decisions. You allow them to kind of own that. Mm -hmm. And if they can tweak it and make it better, that's great. Right. If they can't or if they don't, you know, that's, that's part of this whole process is being better tomorrow than we were today. But they're going to inevitably not live up to expectations, whether Absolutely. It's whatever, for a variety of reasons. Sure. How do you as the trainer not want to take a 20-pound sledgehammer <laughs> <laughs> and, and deal with the fact that they, the employee has made an error, has made a mistake, has done something that's not up to stuff, up to par. How do you handle that and, and, and recover from that? Well, all of my people, I require them to be trainable. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I'll, I'm going to bring this way, way back okay. to when I got out of the Navy, mm -hmm. I went to work for my dad. Okay. I started in the warehouse, I swept the floors, I stocked the shelves, I, as I, I like to call it, I became a student of the business. Mm. I was hungry, I wanted to learn everything I could. Mm. I took sales classes, I did, did all kinds of did marketing classes. Took a marketing class from Morgan Clayton oh, at the college. Great, great. When I, when I was a, a wee, a wee. A wee lad. A wee lad. <laughs> um, but if you're not coachable and trainable, and you don't want to learn it, mm -hmm. I don't want you on my team. Mm. You know, if you're just doing time, you can go do time somewhere else. Right. But, you know, that's part of what makes us a good company is we have people that are teachable, we have people that are trainable. We want to turn those oh crap moments into teachable moments. This is how we do this. This is, this is why this didn't work. Mm -hmm. And first off, we own it. Ah. 
And that comes all the way from the top. I'm the worst at some things, but, but I own it. And my people know that. Uh, you gotta own it, you gotta want to be better, and then you be better. And we'll be right back. The reason we're here with Dale Hill, the president and CEO of Hill Threaded Products, is because of a visioneer question that came from a visioneer just like you. They wanted to find out, how do I diversify my business so that I can have a steady, dependable, reliable income? And that's why we're here. So if you've got a question, you've got a thought, something you'd like to learn about, reach out to us on social media, on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. I'm here with Dale Hill, the President and CEO of Hill Threaded Products Incorporated, and our visionary question comes from Debbie who asks, we have a unique opportunity where our leadership team is retiring and we can both promote from within and hire from the outside for our new team. What qualities do you look for to put together an effective leadership team? Wow, Debbie, that's, a, that's an incredible question and it's also an incredible challenge as well as scary. <laughs> okay, how if so? The, if the entire management team is moving on, um, wow, I would <laughs> recommend hiring some from the inside, mm. someone qualified to fill that void because they know how the business runs. They know how the cogs turn and the gears. They know how to continue to do business in the way it's been done. Right. But it also gives you uh, a tremendous opportunity to find a rock star. Mm. You know, right now, everybody and their brother is looking for people. Right. Uh, people are really taking uh, an internal look at, at what do I really want to do with my life? Mm. Do I really want to be in retail? Do I really want to be in food service? Do, and, and now may be an opportunity for them to really find someone that can come into their business and look at it with a fresh set of eyes. Mm -hmm. Because if you're still building buggy whips, you're eventually going to be out of business. It's, it's okay to keep doing the things that work. Right. But you also have to be able to pivot. You also mm -hmm. have to be able to do what's right for the business. And sometimes right. a fresh set of eyes is really good at that. So you're suggesting you do a combination of trying to promote from within because they already know how the, where all the tinker toys are. Sure. They know how all the yeah. Lincoln logs go together. But you're also suggesting that you try to look for a new set of eyes from outside the business to get a fresh perspective. I, I think that's a wise move. Hmm. Uh, you know, you've got the trust with the person that's been there for a while that you're bringing up through the ranks. Mm -hmm. And yet you've also got someone that has potential to take take it to the next level if that person does not have that ability. Did you learn this from being in the Navy? I did not. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, well, first of all, why the Navy and not the Army, Marine Corps, Air Force, Reserve? When I was growing up, my, my stepdad was, had been in the Navy, okay. and I thought that was pretty cool. Right. Um, one of the things also I learned was I would rather work my head than be a ground pounder and, and you know, 
carry a 40-pound sack all day long. Sure. And one of the things that really intrigued me was electronics. Uh. My, my grandpa was a tinkerer. Mm. Uh, he always had something going on in his workshop. He would take things apart right. just to see, well, it's already broken, so what worse can I do? <laughs> sure, how can I screw it up further? Yeah, and he would make things and he would improve things. And I always loved my time hanging out with my grandpa. Mm. And so I thought, you know what? I can be an electronics technician. Right. The Navy will train me about electronics. They'll pay me to learn it. They'll give me a job. Right. And so I became an electronics technician in the Navy and then proceeded to start repairing submarine antennas. <laughs> So tell me how repairing submarine antennas in the Navy relate to a job in Bakersfield. Fine. I will ask you, what did, <laughs> what did repairing submarine antennas, but more importantly, how did that experience affect the way you do your business? That's a, that's a tough question. Um, that's why I wait till the third segment. I think all... <laughs> I think all of our experiences in life affect how we do life. Mm. You know, it sounds a little cliched, right. um, but I learned some things. I learned about people. Uh, you learned, one of the things that the military does is it gives you a, a brotherhood. It's a, it's a bond. Mm. You know, even though I was in the Navy, I've got great friends that were in the Marines. I've got, We've got some guys here that were in the army, and, and there's a camaraderie. You're depending, in essence, on someone else for your life. Mm -hmm. Which, in the grand scheme of things, that's a lot like our life. We don't necessarily directly uh, correlate that, that you know, you're not responsible for my life, but the impact that we have with those around us affects their lives. Right. So, you know, we were crawling around inside the sail of a submarine and I had to trust the guy that was down in the control room that he's not gonna cycle that antenna up and down and squash me. So you've got to, you know, you're dependent on others, just like in business. In fact, this town is great for being able to pick up the phone and call somebody and ask them a question about business or ask them a question about this or what do you know about that? It's, that's one of the, the biggest things that you can do as a business owner is ask questions. You mentioned in the previous segment that you and your wife have a cabin yes. up in Utah uh -huh. and you've, you've done a lot of the work yourself. Correct. Yes, you had a lot of help with the roof and the siding and that sort of thing. Sure. But this sounds like you, you have a, a passion for, for woodworking and, and working with metal and steel and all that. What have you learned from doing those sorts of things that have impacted the way you approach doing your business as well? Things don't have to be perfect. Mm. When you're working with wood, the wood in itself is not perfect. I'm a very rank amateur when it comes to woodworking. I can build a wall, but to build a table, 
or a piece of furniture, I'm going to have to work at that right. a lot. A lot. Your business will never be perfect. Mm. Ever. I guarantee you that. <laughs> no matter how hard you try. No matter how hard you try. If you're the only person doing it, it's still not going to be perfect. If right. you've got 100 employees, it's still not going to be perfect. And that's okay. You have to focus on what is important. If I want to build a chair, the, the aspect of the chair is, will it hold me? And am I satisfied with what I've built? If I'm not, I rebuild it, or I change it, or I modify it. You have to be, I would say don't be, be content, but don't be complacent. How so? I can build a box that I can sit on, mm -hmm. but if I'm not satisfied with it, am I really going to share that with other people? If I'm not pleased with what our business does day in and day out, am I really going to share that with other people? If visioneers want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Uh, they can send me an email, dale at hillthreaded.com. They can call the shop here at area code 661-324-1315. Uh, they can go to our website, hillthreaded.com. Well, Dale, this has been a privilege. Thank you very much for joining us here on Small Business Celebration. Thank you very much. It's been fun. And I'll be right back with my final thought. California's CalSavers program due date of June 30th is just around the corner. And if you don't have a retirement plan set up for your employees by then, you could be in real trouble. Fortunately, you have options. You also have a contact that will help you and your business with your best intentions in mind. Call Debbie Sharpentier of Sharpentier Wealth Strategies at 661-322-5204 or visit her at sharpentierwealth.com and discover what plans she can help you with that will keep you in compliance and provide for a better future for your employees. Call Debbie Sharpentier of Sharpentier Wealth Strategies at 661 322-5204, that's 661-322-5204, or visit her at sharpentierwealth.com today. Debbie Sharpentier is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker-dealer member SIPC, and a registered investment advisor. Sharpentier Law Strategies is a marketing name for registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors, CRN-4200694-011822. The return thank you card. The other day I was visiting my local pharmacist to pick up a prescription and it's an independently owned pharmacy and they sell a lot more there than just pharmaceutical products. In fact, one of the things that they also sell are thank you cards like this one. It's a, it's a hand-painted painting in color of a bunch of cats and dogs and parakeets and frogs smiling and clowning for the camera. And the other reason I like the card is because it's blank, because it allows me to go ahead and write a personalized note to the person that I'm giving the card to. And they have a whole variety of cards like this that have all kinds of funny, heartwarming, joyous messages that they give out. 
But they also have a second carousel that is full of cards that are pictures of the famous newspapers of the year you were born. And it's got things on like, you know, the Titanic sank or a whole variety of plane crash or whatever it is. And I noticed that that particular carousel has been gaining more and more dust as time has gone on. Whereas the carousel that's got the cards of dogs and cats and parakeets all clowning for the camera and all kinds of other uh, postcards and, and note cards of fun and, and joy. Well, the pharmacist tells me he has a hard time keeping them in stock. Well, I think there's a message there. I think that a lot of us get inundated and bombarded every day with news about things that we cannot control that affects us very little. And yet what people really want is they want a message of joy and hope and inspiration and love and just plain fun. Even if it's dogs and cats and parakeets all clowning for the camera. And wouldn't you know it, about a week ago in the mail, I got a thank you card in the mail from a fan of Small Business Celebration. And what do you know it? It looks just like the cards I like to send out. It's got a bunch of cats and dogs and parakeets clowning for the camera. I hope you enjoyed the conversation we had this week with Dale Hill, the, oh, the president and CEO of Hill Threaded Products. And I hope you learned something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. And we'll see you here again next week. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration Podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.